welcome to another episode of Connect the Knox. I'm your host, Julia Hurley, connecting Knoxville to the nation. Today's guest is Tim Burchett, our best congressman in the whole state of Tennessee and possibly in the country if you're lucky enough to know Tim Burchett. Uh, today, you're going to find out if you don't know him. Tim, thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me on, Julia. It's an honor. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's an honor to have you, buddy. Honor to have you. So let's start out. You know, this is a Knoxville-based podcast. We talk about all things Knoxville. People from all over the country have started downloading it just to find out who's who. Uh, so that's really exciting to share. So let's introduce you, talk about your family history in Knoxville and what people need to know about how you ended up in the position you're in today. Well, I got I got fortunate. Some people don't have one good parent. I ended up having two. Um, Mom and Daddy were, um, I guess, what you call college sweethearts. And then um, the Second World War broke out. Mama was from Cheatham County. Didn't have electricity until she was a senior in high school. And Daddy was from the big city of Clarksville. And uh, and my mom's dad was a rural letter carrier, and then they farmed. And there were seven kids and an uncle that came to visit them for the weekend and ended up staying for, I think, 13 years till he died. And then um, daddy was the oldest of three in Clarksville. And um, like I said, his daddy was a banker, um, didn't own the bank, was but just worked in the bank. Pat Summit was one of my granddad's, um, uh, his, her family was, uh, they did their banking through my daddy and he was pretty, he didn't have, he didn't have a lot of money, but he was very well known and very well respected. And then, um, mom and daddy, um, mama during the war, she um, actually flew an airplane. I got a cool picture of her right here. If I can show that, you can see that. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. That's her in her airplane. And she, um, you know, she's, she was, uh, a very cool lady and she taught school and daddy worked at the university of Tennessee. I was dean of student conduct over there, and he, he was at UT, I think, almost over 40 years. So, um, yeah, it was always over 40 years. And he, um, but, you know, he was in the Marine Corps in the Pacific. He was in the mess of it. That, that flag behind me is a 48-star flag that was on my mom's brother's casket. He died fighting the Nazis. And then um, and, and mom went and flew her airplanes and stuff. And so they got married, um, ended up in Knoxville, GI Bill, UT, and the rest, I guess, is history. And then that, here I came along. I'm the youngest of three. I was uh, a weird kid. I got involved in a organic gardening, which was kind of weird, I guess, for a kid. But, um, uh, you know, I rode my bicycle and hunted and fished and played in the creeks like everybody else. But I got involved in that. I would, uh, um, uh, I would, plant uh, these huge gardens and they were very successful. I was looking for organic matter. And I, I stopped a truck one time that had a bunch of chips in the back of it. And I was like, what do you do with that stuff? And they said, we take it to the landfill. And I said, how much they pay you for it? They don't. He said, we pay them to take it. And the wheels started turning. And I thought, wow, that's going to be a business. And I then fast forward, graduate from college. I come up with an idea to take all the city's yard waste about, it turned out to be 30,000 tons. Um, wow. and it made me very wealthy and at a very young age, I was still living at home and, uh, I, I got accused of taking toxic waste. All my <laughs> political friends jumped ship on me and the EPA came in and, uh, you know, it just, it, 
crushed me really. I took everything I had, all the money I had to fight, to fight. You know, they were accusing me of a felony. And then I lost, ended up losing the business. I think there was uh, 17 front page articles above the fold. It was a very, I got hatched. I got butchered really bad by the local paper. And um, it really just created a martyr. I think if you and I agree that people in, in Tennessee, specifically East Tennessee, are very independent thinkers. And uh, they've got, God gave them pretty good minds and they, they can separate the wheat from the chaff pretty quick. And they, they realized it was a hatchet job. I mean, I had the head of UT's microbiology department even ate some of my mulch one time on the six o'clock news around the, it was 11 o'clock or 1130 news. And I remember thinking, Lord, please don't let him have a heart attack this weekend. <laughs> anyway, I lost the business. And I remember the day after I closed up, the EPA wrote a report, issued a report, and it cleared me of any wrongdoing. It was just, they were, it was just all bogus, basically. And it was a hatchet job. Ended up running for office. Had to do something with all that frustration. I could have sat on a bar stool down here at Toddy's Backdoor Tavern, but I don't drink. So um, that would have been short-lived. And I was entitled to do that as an American because I'd really gotten raked over by the coals, all the local politicians, and they were pretty gutless. And then I, um, uh, you know, I, I ran for office, knocked on over 6,000 doors. You've been there. Got sunburned, yep. lost 20 pounds, bit by two dogs. Yeah. Uh, and I was the only incumbent to beat a, I was only um, in a primary in the whole state of Tennessee, 99 house races that year, as you know. Um, yeah, I was the only, only person to beat an incumbent in a primary. It was a big upset. And I spent four years in the state house. And then I, uh, the, the state senator, actually, I'd helped get elected. One of his campaign workers decided not to run again, Bud Gilbert. And then I ran and I spent 12 years in the state senate. And then um, eight years as county mayor. And then I've been, uh, I guess I'm in my fifth year of Congress now. So, but, wow. So that's, and I, you know, divorced, married, got a wonderful wife and a beautiful, beautiful daughter. And, and my wife's beautiful and I love her. And we have a crazy fun life. We got a little horse and my daughter's a barrel racer. And, and uh, my wife, she always says, you know, when I'm out here doing the congressman stuff, she says, I said, what about this deal with Isabel? She goes, I got this baby. You, you, you keep doing what you're doing. And we, so we, we have a pretty cool life. And so I'm very fortunate. We, like I said, we got, we got a little farm and Isabel just, I got to brag on Isabel. She got hurt in a barrel rate. If she got hurt, um, run over by her horse, Albert, this, oh my. this year, about this year at this time. And, you remember she was in the hospital and broke five ribs and her wrist and her knocked her braces out, spleen, pancreas, and then she had, uh, she was in um, ICU and then they they did surgery and repaired her and then she just won the world championship on that very horse that ran her over. So I'm pretty proud of her. And her that's the way to do it. Just get back up and keep going. Yeah, she gets that from her mama. Her mama's tough. She's been through <laughs> a lot and, and uh, every, every time she does something good, I. I'd say uh, I always try to take credit for it, but I, I adopted her. So genetically, I don't have much to say for it. But every time she does something bad for some reason, Kelly always says, that's your doing, not mine. And I say, <laughs> <laughs> no, but we got to, that's, that's me. I'm sorry. I went too long, but that's my life. Not at all. 
Not at all. It's good for people to know. Um, people really don't know the whole backstory on who who is representing them and why these things are important. I mean, I, I definitely understand getting attacked on the front of the fold. So it's tough to be in leadership uh, when the people behind you, you turn around and they're gone. So right. just keep keep pushing because it's, it's needed. One of the biggest things I think that people don't uh, do that you do for us is every time you leave the congressional floor, whether it's, you know, one o'clock in the morning or 9 a.m., you give a live video of what's happened, why it's happened. It's not scripted like some of the congressmen we see now, you know, with their entire staff and their videos. I mean, you literally come off the floor and say, this is what happened. This is why this didn't pass or this was what somebody tried to hide in this bill. And I think that those are things that people don't know about because we're fed consistent MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, whatever. So we don't know what's really going on. And you do that for us. And that has actually gotten you quite a bit of attention nationally. And then, of course, telling the story of the speaker's race. Everybody in Tennessee is glued to it. I was like, is that is that Tim? Yeah, <laughs> so. I, was, I was right there. I was with Matt Gates. Um, he and I are pretty close. We come from, I guess, pretty different backgrounds, but similar in some respects. And, um, you know, he um, he's been a good friend. And he's got an incredible brain. I mean, and a guy can. I went in our UFO hearings. He came in, and somebody said, "Is Matt mad at us?" And I said, "Matt's got his game face on." I said, "Man," and when it when it was his turn, he just it was. You know, I, I'm always in uh, uh, amazement. I watch his video. I watch a lot of those guys because I, you know, you um, you see the Jim Jordans, the Matt Gateses, and. Marjorie Taylor Greene and all of them, and I know them all very well. I call them, talk to them on the phone regularly, and and when I'm we're not in Congress, but um, it's interesting. They're they're different styles they have, and and some of those guys really have a photographic memory. I mean, they they write down what they're going to say, and you see them looking at it, and they're reading it. Then when the, the lights turn on, man, they are on go. I, I just I don't have that ability I have to um, I'll make some notes and and if I got it down on a piece of paper in front of me I'd end up reading it so I don't want to do that so it's a, I guess we're just all given different gifts and that's definitely not my gift but they're <laughs> but it's pretty cool well you're relatable we're, we're, I think that one of the biggest things that people don't understand about Tennessee and of course we've grown I, w- I want to say you know Knoxville will double in the next five years you know uh, we're, we're growing exponentially. People from all over the country want to be here because of the values that people like you have put into place in Washington, D.C. to make the state of Tennessee exactly what it is. Our state legislators have done the same. And people flock here for that same reason, but they don't understand that when you're here, it's different. I mean, everybody has their own space. Some people are very focused on fast talk, get that news clip, get something going. And I think the difference in what you offer not just us, but the whole country is you take it, you take a beat. It's like, let's slow this conversation down. Let's really break down what's going on. Let's talk about it in a way that's relatable and only stay on one topic. Let's not move all over until we resolve one issue. This is the issue. And we need to talk about it methodically and come up with a plan. And I think that people in larger cities, New York, Miami, LA, they're just like, go, go, go. And the country sees such a stark contrast. But here in Tennessee, what you offer us is a conversation until we have a solution. And one of the things that you gave a speech on the other day at uh, Senator Haggerty's event 
was again, and you've been on this and you've been on it and you've been on it is the UFO situation. And people all over the country think it's just absolutely crazy that this is your, this is what you're on. And it makes so much sense when you actually go through it. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, and thank you for bringing that up. I, you know, I, I didn't pick that issue. It picked me. I was just walking down the street and the, uh, the fellow that does the camera work for TMZ, black fellas, buddy of mine, <clears throat> took him to lunch the other day. We had a, cause he's, uh, he's transitioning into another thing. And I just wanted to encourage him cause he's always been kind to me, but he asked me, um, he said, Hey, have you seen that UFO report? And I said, I don't need to see it. You know, I said, it's going to have more holes in it than a piece of Swiss cheese. It's not going to say anything. I said, they're just covering this thing up. And so, and I, then I said those magic words. I said, more people believe in UFOs than believe in Congress. I ended up putting it on a t-shirt that I sell on my website, which sounds pretty good. Actually, I guess I should have copyrighted it, but the, <laughs> um, uh, and so I just started getting calls from people then started all over the, you know, the, the people you see on the history channel and discovery channel and all these things, all these specials, you know, uh, the guys from skinwalker ranch, you know, um, Lou Elizondo, you just name them. And they're, they're friends of mine. Now they call me and we talk about the issue. And, and so, you know, it just kind of evolved into that. And then I started looking into it and, uh, you know, we have a, we have a, uh, a meeting of, of the, um, intelligence committee i'm not on it and it's in their secret you can't members can't go in unless you're a member of that committee and so which is kind of i guess you know i guess that's why they make it secret you know it's kind of an elite thing which i it really is an elite it's just people that can raise the most money and um and it's a plum committee assignment because they get to travel a lot not i could care less about traveling um you're a target when you're overseas anyway especially in Congress, because I know who you are. Um, but the uh, um, the Pentagon, you know, is, is stated forever. These things don't exist. And then all of a sudden, this tape comes out called the uh, the, the Tic Tac video. Tic Tac is in, you know, my daughter said, no, it's Tic Tac, Boomer. I said, <laughs> well, I look up Boomer, but it's Tic Tac like the candy, like the breath mint. I said, not Tic Tac like the Chinese communist uh, propaganda media outlet. And she rolls her eyes and looks it up and said, Hey, you were right, dad. And I said, I know I was right. But anyway, um, so I start looking into this thing and the Pentagon says they don't exist since 1947, since the incident at Roswell, New Mexico. Well, you fast forward and these Navy pilots got this tape out and then they say, well, the tape's a fake. So, okay. You see a lot of fakes, AI's out there and they can fake stuff. And then, they get the audio and you hear these pilots and then they say, well, what the heck? And they go, and then they find these pilots and they say, in fact, yes, that's us. And they describe it. And then all of a sudden you got the Pentagon saying, well, they do exist. Now give us some money so we can study them. And the Pentagon, you know, they lose billions of dollars every year. At one time, 60% of their assets were unaccounted for. They've never, ever, Julia passed an audit. If you can imagine that you and your business, anything else, a church, synagogue, temple, whatever, uh, charity. If you didn't pass an audit, you'd be in trouble. Secretary of state's offices be on your butt and they should be. So, uh, you know, and then we reward them every year with more money. And I just refuse to vote for those, those packages that, you know, 
they're just expanding. Our wars are not going to be like like my daddy and my uncle's war and my mama's war. They're not. The Japanese aren't going to bomb Pearl Harbor and then six months we're going to roll out, start rolling across the Pacific. It's going to be done with drones. It's going to be done electronically, and it'll be over very fast. The next world war, and it'll be nuclear, and then you know, and then we'll have to we'll, we'll start over like cavemen, I guess. So you've got a um, and now you've got a Pentagon that just and they're war pimps. That's all they are. You look at you look at Ukraine, 114 billion unchecked dollars. We ended up um, we gave them our missile defense system. So by rule, we have to replenish our rule, our missile system. And guess who owns stock in that missile system? Congressmen on both sides of the aisle. And they made a fortune. And it's just before any of any the American public knew about it, they were already talking about it. And it's just a, you know, and 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 that's why I call it the Pentagon war pimps because they, they, um, their business is war, and they're Johns of the American people, and they just they get Americans killed, and they just look at what happened in Afghanistan, the withdrawal, and just just the whole thing. We left billions of dollars worth of stuff on the ground, and guess what? We got to replenish them. And the war, the war pimps make their money. So fast forward, you've got these Tic Tac videos. They show no heat signature. <clears throat> these craft, whatever they are, they sh- they defy every thing we know. I mean, the, and the pilots tell told us in testimony, sworn testimony, open to the public, that in fact no one, our adversaries or our or our friends or enemies, anybody has this kind of technology, and we don't. So that leaves you with a couple of options. Either it is some, a craft that we've recovered and we've reversed engineered it, or it is something from out, outer space. Either way, the American public needs to know what the heck's going on. And the Pentagon now, through Chuck Schumer, I know you and I probably both trust him, not <laughs> but I don't know. I might be able to pick him up and throw him about an inch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As far yeah. as you could throw him. But yeah. You um. Now he has a bill that's saying the Pentagon says, in fact, they know they have this information. We know they have this information. Now we're going to pay them to set up a department that will go between you and me. When I say you, you and me, you and me being the public, and and these elitists at the Pentagon and decide which information can come out and which can't. So, you know, here we are, we're overpaying the Pentagon already. Now we're going to give them more money to decide over an issue they said didn't even exist up until just a couple of years, just until like this past year, they've come out and said, yeah, this is going on. So I just don't trust the whole thing. Um, You know, they've got a, these things have some sort of energy source that if we were to if we were to get a hold of this, I mean, it would put it would put all the big oil companies out of business. It would we wouldn't be fighting in these worthless wars. And uh, so I submit to you, there's a lot more going on than meets the eye. It is a um, it's it's just I just say just turn loose the information. Now, why won't they do that? It's whatever. I think it's greed. It's power. It's all those things that run Washington. But think about this. They won't release the files on the Kennedy assassination. They've released a lot of them, but not all of them. Why won't they do that? You know, every person involved in that is is been dead over 60 years. I mean, this thing happened over 60 years ago. So nobody's alive that's even mentioned in those files. 
And so, you know, there you got power and influence once again. So it's a complex issue. I just think that it, it government needs to trust the American people that they can handle it. I don't, I, I, I'm not, I don't fear any of this. I, I worry about something that flies around in our airspace with our hundred million dollar aircraft and our brave American men and women fly, flying these craft, our, our airplanes that, um, and we've had, and it's been documented. It was in testimony. I think it was 13 or 14 near misses with these, whatever they are. So that that's it. I'm sorry. It's a long explanation. It's a little longer. You allow me. No, to I, I think more, that it's, it's perfect. It's, um, it's something that needs to come out. We all know that real estate is location, location, location. Our team at Just Homes Group has the true expertise, pairing buyers and sellers with the right opportunities. Whether you're looking to buy or sell a home right here in Knoxville, Lenore City, Clinton, or Farragut, we have the expertise throughout every Knoxville surrounding area. Call Julia Hurley at 865-237-7328. It's something that needs to be talked about. If it's something that's been, I mean, just the Kennedy assassination, we can go as far back as Abraham Lincoln, right? It's <clears throat> whatever our government's doing, there's always an entity that's some, that, that has control. That, it doesn't matter if it's our government, somebody else's government, whatever it is. We, we're all aware of that as the American people. We're aware that there are complex issues that I'm not an expert on, that somebody else might be an expert on. I'm not a full-time defense person. And I'm sure that there are things that they need to hide or talk about or work on until they figure out the answer. But the, the situation becomes when we're inundated as the American people with so many things to consider or talk about uh, that affect us in a negative way. When one thing that we have claimed as a country said didn't exist for 60 years, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, they're real, but we're not going to tell you anything about them. There are probably a thousand other things that are real that you're not telling us anything about. And when it was just in one ear and out the other, it was like, oh, UFOs exist. And everybody in the country 24 hours later just completely forgot about it. And it, it seems like the American people are so overwhelmed with information. It's just so much like a fire hydrant that having one congressperson, you know, just there to beat one drum. I want one solution to one problem. Can we just talk about this one thing? And people think that's interesting, but I think that it's necessary. Yeah. Well, I think it's a function of government, you know, to, um, I don't believe it's a function of government to hide things. I just, uh, you know, I, even though they do it continuously, it seems it's just everything it's, the, uh, and I've had a running battle, if you will, with the Pentagon just because, you know, my daddy fought in the war and he just, you know, military intelligence, I've said, is a whole lot like congressional ethics. It just doesn't exist. He was on an island called Peleliu. It was the bloodiest island in the Pacific, maybe one of the bloodiest battles in the entire war. It was supposed to have been a three-day cleanup, mop-up, according to military intelligence. Look at Ukraine. It was supposed to be, a, their, Russia was going to roll over them in five days. Look at Afghanistan. You know, we've trillions of dollars. Thousands of Americans died, and just recently, um, little Ryan Canals from from Corrington, out where I live, last the, certified as the last um, American to die in Afghanistan. And and you know, in military intelligence, there they had that sniper. I mean, the uh, this Marine Corps sniper. I asked him, and 
in committee. This is on testimony. You can go back and watch it. I did a video on it. Um, you know, he had the, the, the bomber in his sights, but was told by military intelligence all the way back to the Pentagon, no, you cannot take this guy out. I mean, you know, what? why are we trusting these people? Why do we give them an unlimited budget? It's just beyond me. And, and the problem too, let's get down to the real basics of why these guys and gals don't do something. Um, um, they are compromised. I think, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the Russians had this thing called honey pots where you'd go into a, you know, a motel and you're, you're, um, back then it was just men, but now I guess it's women. And, you know, they, they'd research you. They'd know what, you know, what you're attracted to, whether it be whatever. And then they, they'd get you on tape. You know, you, some person would be laughing at your jokes and then all of a sudden, you know, you end up in a motel room with them and guess what? They got your ass on camera and they own you. And then they, somebody comes and whispers in your ear, Hey man, we, can you help us on this? Well, I'm not, I don't know. And then they'd say, well, you know, I'd hate to, those tapes come out about you and whatever in room 432 over in Istanbul, you know, they go, we travel on these trips all the time. And, uh, I think at some point, and, and there's other things too, you know, there's illegal activity that could go on and everybody's on tape, you know, these, these crazy cell phones. I mean, man, it's just, it's, uh, um, you just better not think anything anymore almost because it's going to be, somebody, <laughs> I always say that somebody, you know, somebody's when got it. it, it, it somebody's face, not say it. <laughs> yeah. And you know, as well as I do, everything you say is going to be taken out of context. I mean, you've been, you've been an elected official. You understand it multiple times and everything you say is going to be taken out of context. So these folks are compromised. That's why you see, I think you see good conservatives vote for huge liberal spending bills and good and, and and frankly not good honest liberals they believe it and they'll vote for something else and you think what the world why would they do that and uh and i think i think at some level that's what happens on a lot of this stuff and i don't you know and you about have to i think you about have to sell your soul to move up the chain in leadership i've stated this many times that peyton manning was a was in congress or if, if the nfl was was congress peyton manning would still be waiting to get in because you you have to you have to raise so much. They literally issue you a bill when you in in yeah. Congress, and they say, and both parties do it, and they write it down on paper. They're very bold about it. How much money you need to raise to um, to pay your dues? They say for the conference, and then um, you know it's just and I've and people have written a big check and become chairman. Literally, I mean they're they're rich, they're wealthy people. And they're very fortunate and yet they can write a check and then they move up this check, this, you know, and I don't, you know, me, I don't, I don't, I don't come from money. I don't have money. I'm actually the poorest member of Congress from Tennessee. I'm not crying about it. It's no big deal. I'm kind of proud of where I came from and what I've been able to accomplish. But, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's just the world we live in and people need to get a, a dose of reality. And maybe I give them that in those videos I give. And you're right. People, I see people now are, are doing them and, but I watch them do it. And they have like, they have a, tw- they call it, some of them have a Twitter team. If you can believe that, I guess it's X right. team now. I mean, they have a group that does that stuff for them. And I'm just like, what in the world? I mean, it's my shaky thing. It's up my nose. It's off my hair. My hair's not, you know, I just come off the floor and I'm ticked off. And, um, I think people need to hear that stuff though, Julie. I think you're right. And that's, and I, 
I get responses from all over the world when I do that. And, you know, I get the haters and I get that. A lot of them are paid. They don't have a real name down there and they're angry about something else. So they're, they're acting tough. You know, I, it's like they throw a rock over the fence and run back home behind their mama's skirt. And that, you know, that's how they can do it in Twitter. I, you know, they go to their basement and their mom makes some hot pockets again, I guess. But <laughs> so, you know, that's stuff I well, don't, you know, I just, it's, it's water. Said, is I came from nothing. I have something, but I can go back to nothing just fine because I'm aware of how to live there. So I'm I'm not for sale. Let's get done what we yeah. need to get done. Yeah. Let's go on with our day. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm staying I'm staying in the middle of my wardrobe right now. You know, I've got a, a couple <laughs> of suits and I need to I'm open. Uh, John H. Daniel those are big whopper sales I can get over there because they <laughs> they look pretty good. But anyway, I I rambled a little bit. I, I, you know, I worry about, I worry about our country. I worry about where we come from. I worry about my community. It's changing. You know, you've got this homeless problem, which we. Yeah, Knoxville's got a big problem right now. Magnetized it. We've got a gang problem with drugs. People aren't dealing with that. I was with a surrounding county sheriff this past week. And he said, you know, we used to worry about the cartels from Mexico. Now we're worried about the, you know, the, 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 the drugs are flowing through the gangs in Knoxville. So, you know, it's a real problem. And, um, you know, more social programs aren't going to cure it. We've got to have somebody tough in Washington making some tough decisions because we had one of your former colleagues in the state legislature sent me a message this morning and asked me how I was doing. I said, yeah, I'm a little down. You know, I'm worried about us losing our country. We, uh, the deaths to fentanyl. I mean, you know, the, yeah. and we just, it's just coming right over that border. And yeah, it's coming in through our ports of entry too, but the the mass of it's coming over the border and it's going through China. And why in the world do we not have a leader in Washington that just says, China, hey, cut it out or we're going to start, we're going to start putting some heavy tariffs on your stuff. And the same yeah. with these people moving kids across our border. I, I do not understand that at all. I, if I was the president, I'd, Honestly, I'd call a press conference and say, I'm bringing a bill to Congress that says if you, if, if I'll name the countries and said, if you do not stop this with, I'll give you one month. If you don't stop it, it's over. We were going to, and I, and I say, I want a clean bill. And I'd name the Congress and I'd talk to the congressmen and senators, some young firebrands and say, this is the bill. I want you to do it. I'm going to fund it. And then I'd say, and I'd say, I want a clean bill to Congress in a month. And then I would tell them if they vote against it, I'll come to your district because, you know, where in the world, you know, you and I both know the legislature. And I remembered I had a, um, some bills. I'd go after the child molesters and some mm -hmm. of the child porn people. And I, and I just dared people to vote against it. And, you know, it's funny, the inner city black folks were the most repulsed by that stuff. And they were the ones that gave me my strongest support. And, you know, me being a Republican and all that was, they had no base to stand on. And I just, I think you multiply that across the country and I just I get very disgusted with what's going on. And it's very gutless and it's about money and it's about power and influence. So they you know, and I, I get distracted, don't get distracted. I get discouraged. And, but I, you know, we got to keep fighting or we will lose our country. Mm -hmm. I think so. I think that we're on there. We're definitely on the trajectory. If we don't get it together, something's got to change. So, well, 
all I know is I've learned more from watching your 30 second Twitters <laughs> than I do watching any news station or reading up on anything. It's just easy to understand what's going on when somebody's willing to talk about the true conversations that are happening and not wait for their staff to make a TikTok for them. So I know that everybody in your district appreciates that because it is it is honest, it is open, it is quick, it is informative. And truly, you know, we're not, well, I most people aren't politicians. Most people aren't, aren't doing this for decades. And it's very hard to understand the nuances of it. And you make it very clear and concise for us. And we really do appreciate that. Um, before I let you go, we're going to swing it back to Knoxville because I love to ask this question of everybody. When you're here and people not from here who have never visited Knoxville, where's the first place you take them? Well, I used to take them to Wright's Cafeteria. I had a, um, a group of um, a lady at the paper would would bring in a group of reporters from overseas or something through the State Department, and I would take them to Wright's. And I always remembered one, and you've been there with me multiple times. You know how it is. And you go, you, of course, COVID ended that, and I hate it. Um, uh, David Wright's still a dear friend of mine, but he just couldn't, it couldn't go because of COVID and um, all the stupid restrictions they put on him. But, uh, you know, people would, I remember one guy put ketchup on his tray and just, and then he said, can I have water? And they said, well, sure. And he said, can I have warm water? And the guy, and they like, the girls, you know, they, yeah, sure, honey. You know, and they give them warm <laughs> water. And, and then, um, and, you know, and they, and I brought a bunch of Muslims in there and I had to point out what was pork and what wasn't explained to them, you know, to, to David, they couldn't eat pork. And so he would point out and they just, as my daddy said, it was like a jackass going through sawbriars. I mean, they ate like crazy and, you know, but I don't take them there anymore. Um, so um, I, I try to take them places, you know, uh, because everybody wants to take somebody to a fancy restaurant. You know, you're bringing in a multimillionaire or maybe a billionaire and, you know, they've been to every freaking fancy restaurant in the world. Quit trying to be something you're not. I, I, you know, I take them now to ball market because I want them oh, to see people that are, um, or if they want to sit down and meal, I'll take them to Litton's. They want a pizza. I'll take them out to, to out to the pizza uh, palace out on Magnolia, you know? And, um, but I, I get, um, yeah, I get, sometimes I get a little ticked off when people do these things because they want to try to impress somebody and you need to show them our best asset. Our best assets are people, the people that actually work for a dad come living in this community, as they say, do the living and dying, have their name on their shirt. They got 45 minutes for lunch. They're going to say hello to you. And then they're out the door. And, um, cause those are the Favorite. people that are going to be working with them or for them. And, uh, I remember, um, lifetime plastics, they're, they're basically a group of Mormons and they're very straight laced people. When they come out here though, they loved it. They love the people. They love the work ethic. Uh, you know, these guys, these very straight laced Mormons in their suits, you know, just very similar to me. And, uh, and dad gummit, you know, these guys out there got tattoos, these bikers that, you know, guys I've rode motorcycles with known them for years and they're the welders and stuff and they love them. And they love them because of their work ethic and they tell them what they, they think. And maybe they're not as polished and not, they're a little rough around the edges, but that's all right. That's all right. Knoxville is a big, small town where you can do some of the, some of the best food I've ever had is right here in Knoxville sure. made by the local, F local. And I love that. I love the ball market. I love that idea. 
So I'm going to start taking people down to Vol Market if I if I can get away with that. I usually take them to Sam and Andy's because I'm on the whole other side of Knoxville. Yeah, well, I, I love Sam and Andy's. They're my folks, oh, yeah. too. They've been great friends of mine for years. Yeah, that's one of my, it's, it's closer to my house. So hitting up Sam and Andy's yeah. for that one burger. <laughs> well, I, I, I can see Richie and Alan in about five minutes from my office. So that's, that's generally, and it's, and I like things to be the same. I like it yep. very much. I, when the UN came out against hot dogs, believe it or not, they came out against hot dogs, all the things going on in the world. I went over there that day. I usually eat two chili dogs, but in protest, I ate three chili dogs that day. So. <laughs> I love it. Tim, I've gone a little over our 30 minutes and I appreciate you spending that much time with us. I love, I've loved talking with you. As always, if there is anything that any of us can ever do, here back at home while you're fighting the good fight in DC, you let us know. We really appreciate you so much. If anybody wanted to get in touch with you, uh, how would they do that? Just call me on the dadgum phone, 865-523-3772. Make sure I got that right. Three seven. <laughs> I always give out one number off, but yeah, please. I'm, um, just call me. You'll get me. We'll, we'll get together. I, you know, I, email is such a, crapshoot. It's so um, bogus now. You just get thousands and thousands of things from overseas and you don't know where they're from. And I mean, we, we go through and we do them, but if you want to talk to me, just call me on the dadgum phone and, uh, and call me one day. We'll meet for lunch. I love that. Well, I will see you very soon. You tell Kelly, I said, hello, please hug Michael, hug the staff. And we'll see you back in Knoxville very soon. Again, everybody, this was Congressman Tim Burchett. If you need him, the phone number's right here. We'll put his links and his email and his website and all the other things for you to be able to find him in this podcast. And we really, again, we really appreciate you being here. Thank you, Julia. Bye, everybody. Thanks for visiting. Thank you for tuning into the show. Make sure to like and subscribe. Leave a five-star review on your podcast player of choice. And if you would like information on moving to Knoxville, send me a private message. As always, this is Julia Hurley connecting Knoxville to the nation.